All right, here we are with another episode of the High Ground, powered by Premier Companies. Good morning, Sal. Yeah, good morning, Ryan. Hey, how's it going today? It's doing wonderful. It's getting kind of cold here in January or February now. It's February. Yeah, it is. We've jumped into February and on our way to spring. So, hey, we want to remind all our listeners that if you appreciate what you've been seeing content-wise and uh, subject-wise, guest-wise, we ask you to like and subscribe to each one of our videos or uh, subscribe to us on any of the other platforms. And uh, we're changing the format up a little bit uh, for 2023. Yep, so, we had a meeting. And- and uh, we're going to start it off a little bit, a little bit lively. It'll lighten it up a little bit. Yeah, we're going to give a little personal insight to the host and the guest. So we're going to do a question of the day. Oh boy! Yeah, it'll be fun. So <laughs> we got to start off with the guest, though. Right? Exactly. So the question of the day, Aaron Bledsoe, is: If you had two hours to interview anyone throughout history, who would it be? Well, with it and being, why? Yeah. So with it being February in the month of Valentine's Day, hi, sweetie. Um, oh my! That I is should, so gratuitous. You know, I should say my wife because I never get enough time with her. You know, two more hours. But what I'm gonna say is my uh, great grandpa. Uh, I was the only great grandchild that he got to hold uh, as soon as I was born. Within a month or so, he passed away. Um, and, you know, a lot of people probably pick famous people or, or you know historical figures. I, I would pick him because he's part of that generation that we don't have access to anymore. The ones that experienced the war, the world wars. Uh, a lot of the hard farming times. Um, one of the big one of the big reasons why I picked him is because his faith. Um, when he passed away, there's a lot of people around the. I mean, they said the line to get into the funeral home was extremely long. I was like, you know, if there's someone like that from that generation that had that strong of faith and that could impact that kind of community, I'd love to spend two hours with him just to see how he lived his life. That's good. So the guest can no longer go first anymore because he right. took uh, he took um, one of my answers. That was either going to be the grandfather, my grandfather, or you knew his grandpa or Jesus. Too? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> worse, not even more than he did. <laughs> but actually, that is that is mine as um as my grandpa on my dad's side. I never got a chance to. Uh, he died when I was younger, and I never got a chance to talk to him. He came over from Italy, uh, immigrated from Italy, and. Um, he was all about the United States, all about America when he got here. Never taught any of the kids um, Italian of that generation or anything else. And I remember when 1976 came around, we had red, white, and blue ice cream and happy birthday, America. That's what he was He was all about. So we were redneck, redneck Italians. He settled in Beattyville, Kentucky, and uh, married my grandmother down there. So... Uh, you carried the torch well. Yes, we had squirrel spaghetti when I was little. Squirrel spaghetti sauce. Uh, with beans? Story. With beans? No, not the chili beans. My wife wasn't around yet then. So. Well, back to our host, Ryan. Well, well I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little different route and, and not because I wouldn't want to interview my grandfathers because I didn't know either one of them. Um, I had a grandfather who had married my grandmother by that time, but my, both of my grandfathers died very early. But uh, So he, he fit the bill very well, the one I did know, and I uh, never knew him as anything but my grandfather. But uh, I didn't know either one of them. But, you know, I, I play guitar, and I enjoy uh, music a lot. And there's a guitar player from several years ago who died very early in his life uh, in 1974 on a motorcycle wreck. His name was Don Rich, and he was this whole entire developer of the Bakersfield Sound and Fender Telecasters, and he's just a fantastic guitar player. And he was told he played for Buck Owens through that whole time when they were just it. They were the thing. And uh, Buck told him not to ride that motorcycle, and uh, he he did, and he crashed that Harley-Davidson and died uh, 
And Buck said, you know, I think my music career died that day. And uh, but man, he was so he was just so prolific in his influence on guitar players all through history. That uh, yeah, I just like to sit down, and talk to him for two hours, and say what uh, what what caused you to be what you were. Just interesting to so me. The so the Buck Owens on Hee Haw. Yeah, yep. but prior to that, I mean, he was like a rock star. Right. So, the other guy that was on He Hall, he was a good guitar player too. He was Roy Clark. Roy Clark. He could absolutely. play all lots of different instruments. Yep. He could play everything. So, and for you podcast people out there that can't see us, I'm staring in off in the white space of the world because I have no idea what they're talking. You've about. You've never seen He Hall? No, I've not seen He Hall. Now, <laughs> let me make, let me make one thing very clear. I'm not a part of the generation that ate Tide Pods. I'm the millennials that get blamed for all of that. I did not do that, okay? We were the ones imitating Johnny Knoxville. We might be dumb, but we weren't Tide eating, Tide Pod eating. Well, dumb. you got to get, get on YouTube and watch an old Hee Haw episode. Cause just we'll... just Google Don Rich. Just go to <laughs> yeah, YouTube and look at Don Rich. Right. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, that was you, Sal. What yeah, that's you, Sal. You're the redneck Italian that got us off on Hee Haw. So anyway, I'm trying to be serious. <laughs> So much for the grain report. Yeah, yeah. All right. So anyway, <laughs> okay. Well, that's pretty fun. What that that was fun. Glad to know. Uh, glad to know that I, I'm the only one who bailed and didn't go with the obvious choice of somebody in their family. But okay. So next time you can pick the questions <laughs> out. <laughs> so, all right. Very good. Aaron, you have a WASTI report. You've been here uh, recently, and this report came out about a week after you were here mm -hmm. last time. So. Yep. Uh, Cue us up. Tell us where we are today as far as grain markets go. Yeah, so the January report's usually a big one. Um, they look at uh, acres, how that kind of shook out after harvest and yield. Um, and it was, that report was kind of a barnstormer this year, but it was in the opposite direction of what the all the estimates thought it was. Um, <clears throat> a lot of the trade estimates thought that we were going to have an increase in corn yield, which we did have. So that was about the only thing that they were right on. Um, but what they didn't see coming was uh, acres being shifted, or not shifted, but decreased uh, pretty pretty substantially. I think they lost uh, let me the see. corn acres. Yeah, the corn acres. The harvested corn acres were down 1.6 million acres from what they thought uh, back in the November report. So, or you know, going into harvest. So that was a big deal. Yeah. I mean, that the the increase in yield was uh, one bushel. So it was a pretty significant yield bump. But when you lose 1.6 million acres of harvested acres of corn that production side just drastically shifted um, they did touch the demand side but the demand reduction was not as big as the supply reduction was so you had a very bullish report the estimates on the other hand had us going had us at like a uh, production report of like 13.9 billion bushels we came at 13.7 so that's 200 and what 22 million bushels that they had, they were they were off on the estimates. Um, so we immediately saw corn shoot up. Uh, beans, um, they had the yield re reduction, which a lot of people thought the yield might actually go up, just like corn did. Um, and that that went down 0.7 of a bushel, down to 49 and a half. So, in perspective, the crop cycle before we were 51.7. And for corn, we were 176.7. So we had drastically lower yields than what we had in the previous year. And we were talking about a harvested acre number that was decreased for corn. So this report, the estimates were this is going to be a bearish report, and it came out very bullish. Hmm. Yep. What were the being uh, the acres? Did the acres... Um, you know, I didn't even write them down okay. because they didn't Sorry. really... Yeah, they didn't really change those at all. 
the the big shocker was the was the corn acre number. Okay. Yep. So with that production, and there was some demand reduction, but not nearly as much as the supply took a hit. Um, you know, I've been on here before talking about the stocks to use rate, and you know, when when corn gets down below ten percent, market gets a little nervous. When beans get down around five percent, it gets really nervous. Right now, with the this is still projection, so they can still mess with the demand. We can still have some demand loss or demand increase. Um, you know, of course, if we have a demand loss, prices will be subdued. If we have an increase in demand, prices will go up. But the stock to use rate right now, what they're projecting for corn is 9%. So we're not exactly real comfortable. We're a little on that line of it promotes the six-something dollar corn. Um, the beans, we're down to 4.8%. So, Okay. Do these usually drift lower as we... You know, I don't know what the historical trend would be. Um, I would feel like in this circumstance with the with what my gut says, I think they may tiptoe higher. Um, on the beans, I think they may tiptoe higher. The one good thing we have for beans right now is the uh, soybean meal crush. Extremely strong right now. Um, I th- actually, someone just sent me a a link to a tweet that they said, you know, we've hit extremely high meal price for the last six months or something like that. So meal is extremely strong. So that will support the bean market. Um, but Brazil looks like they have a very large crop. The problem with Brazil right now is, is they have a delayed harvest, but I don't put too much stock in that yet because, you know, Infrastructure wise, we're a little better off here in the U.S., but we saw how last fall we were a little behind pace on harvest progress, and then all of a sudden it was like one week, and we were wham, we were ahead of pace. So I feel like the market's got that already baked into the price, but I I, I don't know. Hmm. I think once those bushels start flowing out of Brazil, we'll see. You know, we lose our competitive advantage, and right now Brazil beans are like I think a dollar, a U.S. dollar cheaper than ours right now. So if their main play is to send them across seas, they're going to be the winner in this one huh. here pretty soon. So on that uh, bean meal crush you were talking about, and I, I don't know whether you know the answer to this or not, but with avian influenza and such a drastic hit to that that number of animals that are being fed, where's where's that going? Are we chasing oil with that? Are we still calling it bean meal crush and we're chasing oil now? Or what, what well, do you think attributing that? I think that goes back to Argentina. So Argentina is dry. Um, inflation is rampant down there. Farmers are holding their beans as a play to fight inflation. You know, when you, when you own something and the inflation is skyrocketing, it makes sense to hold that commodity and wait because you're going to get more money out of it later on. And so in a way to help themselves, they're holding those bushels back. It's, it's, it, you know, if you look at 2012, if you had bushels going into 2012 or into into 13 from the previous year, you held those bushels because you you didn't really produce that much and you kept seeing prices go up. So as a farmer, you're like, why would I sell if it keeps going up 50 cents every other day? You know, so that's where Argentina is at. But with the beans not flowing down there, they're the number one bean meal exporter in the world. So if that bean meal is not leaving, then they got to go somewhere else to find the bean meal. Hmm. We're we're crushing it right now. Now I. I don't know if the oil has a play in it or not, but I would think it would have to because uh, a lot of people are making a push for that, or at least headline. 
not physically doing it yet, but headline news. I, what does it always go back to? Sell the rumor, buy the fact, or something like that. Yeah. But that's part of what's holding up our bean mill mm-hmm. is Argentina. Yep. Just holding on to their inventory, but they can't do that for long, can they? No. Well, I mean, the farmer can do whatever they want down there until the government steps in and says we're going to take it. But I don't. Who knows? I mean, I mean, there's a storage limit. I mean, they yeah. can't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What else you got for us? Um, I think that was about it as far as how the report went. Um, we got locally. Locally, man, it feels like there's a lot of bushels still out there. Um, you know, we talked about the, you know, the WASDE said corn yield was a little better than what we thought, but harvested acres were down, uh, bean yield was down, but locally it doesn't feel that bad. You know, fortunately, we being in, you know, Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, usually we can sustain a tougher year better than some other fringe markets i would say you know north dakota or you know out in kansas when it gets dry it gets dry like they but here in the here in the central part of the midwest we're pretty fortunate i mean it it takes a lot to drop our yields um so it feels like there's bushels out there beans are moving left and right we're seeing hours uh on the river reduced because they're just they're packing full so yeah the western corn belt when they get dry it is bad Mm -hmm. what a um as far as as the elevators, are they pretty full still, or are they getting moving now that the river's up a little bit? So we're looking at an inverse again, which is kind of odd that we've had multiple years in a row. Um, it's not that it can, like, it'll just change tomorrow, but it's a little odd. Um, so when we're in an inverse, the market is incentivizing people to sell and sell now. Um, and so when you've when you get a bunch of bushels from the farm hitting the pipeline and then you also incentivize the elevators to hit the pipeline at the same time, stuff starts to back up. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think everywhere is a little different, but over in my neck of the woods, um, still feels like there's a lot of corn bushels out there. Uh, beans I think have moved really quickly. Like the market is trying to get them out. So I think that's where, where, where we're at over there. You know, last time I was on here, I talked about how, Beans were a dollar something higher than what they were this time last year. That script changed in just a month, just about a month. It, it changed already. Uh, we're actually 20 cents lower than we were this time last year. Jeez. So if you look up the November chart for, uh, you know, November 22, we went into the year, January was fairly low, and then all of a sudden February, it just started to climb and climb and climb. I think it was like a $3 rally or something like that. Um so my fear still is, though, that, okay, we're 20 cents lower, but we've already got up into this range of where we were last year after the big run-up. We started at this point before the run-up. Hmm. So, you know, there's, there's two trains of thought. One, the optimistic is going to say, oh, well, we're right here. We're going to run up another $3, so we're going to have $16 beans. <laughs> That's the half full. That's right? the half full. <laughs> the half empty is, oh, crap, we're already here. We've got nowhere to go but down now. Um, and production, this planting season will make or break this price is, is what's really going to happen. Um, we've still got all the, you can call them black swans in the world going on right now if you want. The Ukraine, all that turmoil over there. More countries are starting to buddy up with their allies, and you're really starting to see how this thing's going to shake out possibly. 
you've got that. Um, you've got China, who's now starting to come back online. Finally, they finally just basically dropped the lockdowns, um, but they got a population decline, which is the first time in maybe ever. Yeah, I mean, well, and I think they uh, there was one note that a province there said you can have unlimited children now. Yeah, they're back to having unlimited children. Yeah. So, so I but. We're talking about that's a generational shift. I mean, that that the population doesn't fix itself overnight. So who knows what that does to the demand world right now? You know, you mentioned uh, Ukraine. We've talked about that just several times on the podcast. I mean, that's been a pretty current event mm-hmm. since we've been doing the podcast. And uh, his name's uh, Peter Zihan, and he had a uh, he had a he has a podcast. And I was watching that, and he said you kind of put it in perspective, and he put this the Belarus, Ukraine, and Russia kind of put those into three, those into one group, those three warring nations into one group. And, and he said that as a group, you know, they're the number one wheat exporter. And if you looked at, uh, even by separately, the number one wheat exporter, Russia invaded the number five wheat exporter. And how come these wheat markets haven't really I kind of wonder why they haven't taken off because we can raise in the Eastern Corn Belt, we can raise pretty good wheat. And this far south, we can follow with fairly good double crop soybeans. I know that makes us busy in June and early July, but I'm surprised that the wheat market hasn't taken off more. So I did talk to one farmer who's planting more wheat than they have in the past. And I was talking about new crop bean prices. I'm like, and and this is a guy that's very good at setting targets. Um, the last couple of years, I mean, I'd have to go back and look at it as average, but I feel very confident in that he had one of the best uh, average farm price when he takes all of his bushels together, and he delivered all of those bushels in fall, and he still beat most of what people are going to get out of their crop. So he did a very good job marketing his crop, getting the targets in, but I was asking him, I was like, you know, what about these bean, uh, you know, bean targets? I really think we probably ought to get something in. And he goes, well... Uh, my sons don't really want us to do anything with the beans right now because we've got more wheat out and we're going to have a lot of double crop beans. So we don't feel great about that just yet. We're going to take a wait and see approach on that. So that's one, that's one, that's just one person, but um, I'm kind of with you. I mean, if the wheat market incentivizes people to plant it, it's going to buy the acres. It's just, it's hard. I mean, we always talk about an acre shift, but it's really hard to shift those acres in a monumental way because People like planting corn, yeah. and they like planting beans. And at least in our neck of the woods, the wheat comes in in fifty and hundred acres. I mean, it doesn't come in great big chunks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You had some other notes. Yeah. We um, cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we, we we've spent time talking on beans. You know, last time I said we were dollar twenty, and now we're only we're twenty cents lower. Well, corn, um, we're still 20, well, last night at the close, we were 22 cents higher than we were at this point last year. So corn is still trading at a higher rate. Dece, you know, 23 was trading higher than the Dece 22 at this point in the crop cycle. Um, so we're still in favorable territory for that. We're not in unfavorable territory for beans, but it puts a different spin on the thing, on, on how quickly that ran up. So, you know, Right now, for this time frame, you know, last time I was here, corn was trading around 650 futures. Now we're up to 675. We had up to 685 right after that report um, hit. Beans, you know, we're around that 1480. We're at 1530s now. Uh, had gotten up to 1540. So we're, we're knocking on the door for beans of the high 
for the year and for a long time, really, on beans. I mean, the last time I said we we had a hard time uh, getting back to where we were before the end of the year. Well, this report, one of my fears is that it dropped this big bullish card in our lap, and we're still struggling to break that point where we were before the end of 22. So that is a watch out to me. That that To me, that looks like the market already has some of these things factored into it price-wise. Again, this is all speculation. This is not what I do for a living. <laughs> this is when <laughs> so, we flash the big disclaimer. Yeah, on this, this, is a big, this is a big disclaimer. This yeah. is fun to talk about, yeah. and guys like to talk about it. Um, but, you know, bringing up what I do and how we try to help the farmer as premier, you know, after these reports, um, we send out notes. You know, I send out notes as to what the report said and what that potentially means and where we're trading and what that kind of looks like for, for new crop. Um, so if you're interested in that, get a hold of us. It's free. You sign up through Bushel, and we can send out those notifications. Give us, you know, we can give out notes as far as what our local area looks like and how that will play out for your farm too. Good. And that comes through the Bushel app? Yep, through the All Bushel right. app, completely free. If you do sign up, make sure you get a hold of somebody so that we can put you in the right group so you're getting the stuff, that you, the information that you want. Um, you closer know. to Ligoti or? Yeah, yep. closer to Ligoti or if you're closer to Columbus. Yep. Okay. What else you got for us? I, I think that's really about it. I mean, I've got more notes, but it's just kind of the market. This report was a big deal. The next big one is going to be in March, the, per, the perspective planning report. That's going to be the big one. <clears throat> These prices incentivize corn and beans. So we'll see what happens. I have a hard time seeing that there won't be a lot of corn acres planted if spring is, uh, you know, nice to us and lets us get the corn acres on the ground. I mean, when you're talking almost $7 corn, it's really hard not to pencil in a pretty big corn acre number. Yep. So, you have to think so. Yeah. Um, sure. Would you want to say anything else to your wife before we close this podcast? I mean, you kind of just you looked in the camera and, yeah. and kind of left your wingman no. out here hanging as you were Hey, it's fun for yourself, balance. man. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about me and you until it gets down, down to me and you, then it's hey. about you. Right? <laughs> Ten, ten year anniversary this year. I gotta step it up. So, so we gonna get her for Valentine's Day. You gonna get her flowers or? So you weren't supposed to ask me that. Does she watch the podcast? <laughs> <you think? laughs> this was the gift. Hi, sweetie. <laughs> oh, she'll want to send that back. <laughs> no way she'll keep that. Yeah. No, but market wise, I mean, you know, everyone they want to watch the Weather Channel, know what's going on in <clears throat> what's going on in Brazil, Argentina, here in the U.S. Right now, we're going to be in a pattern of, you know, a lot of the rumors, and that's what we'll be trading. We won't be trading any hard facts for a, for a little that's bit true. longer. So, okay. well said. All right, I think that's it. All right, Aaron, thanks for coming, Sal. That's all I got. Welcome to. Uh, thank you for listening. It's been another episode of the High Ground Powered by Premier Companies. Please like and subscribe. <laughs>